1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13. There's
0: a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punk, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen.
1: All right, welcome back, Dunkers, to the SLC Punks podcast. This is Hanson James,
0: and this is Milo,
1: and tonight is the season premiere of The Walking Dead. And I was expecting to kind of find out who dies tonight, uh, but sadly, it already happened before the episode even happens. Earl Watson has been let go by the Phoenix Suns. I don't know; if that's terrible. But that was uh, a
0: terrible segue. But hey, I'll roll with it. Um, yeah, I was like, man, where is he going with this? So, <laughs> that's kind of every article I write, or so say. so, yeah, so the last of Jerry Sloan's coaching tree has has, has made an end um as Jerry Sloan begat Tyrone Corbin, which begat Earl Watson, and uh Earl Watson was let go three games into the season, which I mean, okay, this is. But bash the Suns for like the Suns ownership is doing this basically. Like, you know, they're tanking, but then they're like, well, we weren't planning on tanking like this, this obviously. Like, if you get blown out by 40 plus games to start up the season, like, that's that's like even trust the process people are a lot like, mm, that's too on the nose there. Mm-hmm. So, this just seems like. The ownership covering their butts and then trying to be like, oh, no, you know, we're really trying to win. Uh Triano's a way better coach than than Watson and is probably going to get them playing respectively. But you had Eric Bledsoe, who earlier in the day was like, get me out of here and literally get me. Yes. Out-
1: let- oh, well, what does he tweet? Uh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be like-
0: here. Yeah, I don't want to be here. And then you have Earl Watson fired. Like it, it just sounds like by by midnight tonight, Bledsoe is going to be traded and probably traded back to the LA Clippers. And then you'll have like
1: because poor... DeAndre Jordan tweeted, uh, "Come back home, bro." Yeah, Did you see that? I, I actually would
0: like to see Eric Bledsoe uh, back over there. But um, poor Patrick Beverly would probably be the sacrificial lamb going.
1: Well, and the other what's interesting about that is Milos Teodosic went down for an indefinite amount of time from some sort of ruptured – I can't remember if it's like a – it. it's like his – I can't remember. It's one of his tendons, you know, indefinite amount of time out. You know, it's not that – it's not a bad idea to go in and look and see if you can get Eric Bledsoe and fill in that hole that Teodosic – Yeah, and, know, Eric,
0: was, and Eric Bledsoe has shown that he can play off guard. He did it with Chris Paul in the past and him – him and Patrick Beverly, I mean, they would never hit a three, but would be a really formal defensive backcourt. And once again, that's like the LA Clippers doing basically what the Utah Jazz are doing is just saying, hey, we're just going to be a defensive squad. We're we're just going to really hone in on that and, and, and get going. So uh, condolences to Earl Watson and, and his family. Earl yeah. Watson's a good guy. Like, he is a good guy. Like, when he was with the Utah Jazz, like – I you rooted for him. He he was a great locker room guy. He, he was one of the few guys you could root for during the Tyrone Corbin era.
1: Mm-hmm. And my uh, favorite, my favorite Earl Watson memory is when and, and for whatever reason Dirk Nowitzki seems to hate playing the Jazz and just seems oh, to have yeah, like they, a disdain for the Jazz. And my favorite Earl Watson memory is. Uh, like, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, like, ripped the ball out of Derek Baver's hands, and Earl Watson walked right up to him and slapped the ball and got a tech. And that's my favorite Earl Watson memory. And honestly, kind of what I think happened with Earl Watson is I think his players really respected him. And you could tell that, especially last season, that they did like Earl Watson kind of as a mentor. But what happens is when you start losing by 30 and 40 points and you show up on Bleacher Report and everyone's turning you into the – Embarrassment of the league. All these guys are competitive monsters, and they uh-huh. want to win. And being kind of the laughing stock of the NBA gets can kind of ruin your relationships. Rep. Yeah,
0: and you don't have your reputation. And and you you can be a player's coach, but too much of a player's coach. If you if you if the minute they start to see you on the same level as them, um, then all of a sudden you're not a player's coach. You're up here, yeah. and 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 then you've lost that respect. And the other thing too is. Earl Watson wasn't showing a penchant for developing this talent. And and it, it, I mean it's not all on him. The staff and everybody helps to to develop that talent. But you're looking at Bender who has doesn't look like he's shown a, a lot of progression.
1: Yeah, he hasn't improved hardly uh, at all.
0: I mean, you have Booker who evidently can score 70 in a game but you're still losing by 40. Um, you have another young player in Josh Jackson. You have Alex Len, who was a high draft pick, but never really turned into anything. I mean, after so many years of drafting in the lottery, you Marquez, have
1: Chris has. Mar-
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have to look at this and be like, we're not developing our players. And, and that really comes down to, I don't think there's a difference between a player's coach. And a development coach. And sometimes you can have a little bit of a, of a mix. But I think the NBA is going to this model of – it's. you don't want a player's coach because that's like a Doc Rivers or anything else. If you're if you're in that boat, then you're not really developing talent and you're trying to accrue it and then get somebody to lead you the way. Phoenix is never going to be in that boat. Uh, just like Utah, just like San Antonio, just like Sacramento, you're never going to be in that boat. You need a coach who can develop talents from – this undervalued pool. And especially if you're drafting in the lottery year in and year out, dudes, you got it. You got to have yourself a, a better coach. And Earl Watson's a really good guy. He's a great community guy. He does a lot for people in Phoenix. He did a lot when he, he was in Utah, but at the end of the day, being a great community guy is not a good, it doesn't translate to a good coach and mm-hmm. and and, he, and it doesn't mean he's not, a he, he doesn't, uh, deserve to maybe have a have a shot at in, in college or like he seems to me to be someone you'd want to champion for your brand if you're AAU or something else like he's a really good he's a really good guy and he did a lot of work with AAU before but um, it really felt like he was put into a no-win situation when the interim tag was taken off it, felt, it looked like he was brought in to fail and, mm-hmm. you know, and it succeeded. He was really Peter principled in this. And that's not his fault. No one's going to say no to a, a head coaching position if it's offered to them. And uh, and he shot a shot. And unfortunately, he just wasn't ready for the opportunity. So yeah, no and, to Earl Watson.
1: And the Suns just got to do a little bit of what kind of the Jazz did when we hired Quinn Snyder. Uh, what Brooklyn did, hiring Kenny Atkinson, who's mm-hmm. starting to look like a really good coach. They just need to take their time, find one of those guys that's got a good pedigree, that has shown an ability to really lead a team and be a player's coach, but also at the same time be an X's and O's guy and someone that can get buy-in from players can we on a system how, that actually exists.
0: How bad this is for the Phoenix Suns! Like they would have been if they would have fired Earl Watson during the offseason, they would have been the only coach who fired. The only team that fired their coach, they would have had a a full full reign on any coach they thought was available because they would have been the only ones looking. Mm-hmm. And now they fired at- their coach three games into the season, and now they like maybe Jay Triano like he's he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of the uh, during the off season, you could have had your choice of any top assistant. Could have had your choice of any any Euro League coach or whatnot. And instead they decided Three games in a season to Blow it up And that, mm-hmm. that tells me that that's, that's, some inept, it, it, that's some ineptitude When it co- comes to ownership Like ownership it does not get a free pass In this That's, that's just that's, as just Bushly when it comes to Running a team And I, obviously if you're a Phoenix Suns fan You know you're used to this This, this is, this is Every day when it comes to that ownership
1: it's it's very depressing. But you know what hasn't been depressing is the start of the season for our very favorite team the Utah Jazz. The oh. Utah Jazz are 2 and 1 and in all honesty I should be 3 and 0. Oh. A they, few they, bad there an uh, Andrew Wiggins half court heave or a oh bad
0: or a bad Rudy Gobert turnover away from being 3 and 0 oh against like, everybody in their... <laughs> Everyone,
1: we played. <laughs> Everyone. And we've played. Like, we've had, like, two... And, honestly, it's by our standards a blowout, but two blowout victories, honestly. Mm-hmm. So our victory against Denver ended up just being a 10-point win. We beat Oklahoma City by 10 points. And then we lost, honestly, a last-second game in Minnesota on the road against a very, very talented Minnesota Timberwolves team, who I'm still not quite sure how good they are yet, honestly. Yeah, I,
0: I, I... It's hard because the Northwest Division has really just only played the Northwest Division to start out the season, and so, um, mm-hmm. so that, so yeah, so it's been a really great start. Uh, we we were we talked last week, and um, I thought at this point before the LA Clippers game that we would be one and two. Mm-hmm. I thought we would have lost to Oklahoma City and to Minnesota. We did lose to Minnesota, but we had a chance to win that.
1: Uh, actually, I think that's what I predicted, honestly. Yeah. And then I said that we'd beat Oklahoma City, and I, you know, I then I felt sheepish. And even before the game, we actually talked on the phone right before the game, and I was actually mad. I was like, "Oh my gosh, third game of four nights, our third game on, you know, third game of four nights at home." So the NBA has given us our own uh, scheduled, scheduled loss. loss. Yeah, yeah, at we were home. even talking about it. thanks like, NBA. We're
0: gonna I- watch this, but it's just not gonna be pretty.
1: Get ready and, to write a recap for a loss. Just get ready. Get it written. And and they blew them out. Yeah. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, it's, been, it's been amazing. So let's talk about this. So the Utah Jazz, they actually have the 15th best offense in the league. If you watch the offense and using the eye test, you'd say this has to be hands down the worst offense in the league. And it can't even be close. But somehow they're the 15th best offense. So – James how
1: um it's I think some of it, it might be a little bit of magic I don't know <laughs> Quinn Snyder might be into like voodoo curses and things and and I don't know because honestly you know what I, I'll be honest like Ricky Rubio is hitting more shots than I thought he would and I don't you know if I look at his percentages I'm sure it's like 40 percent but honestly if if he's hitting 35 to 40 percent of his shots that's Actually, really, really good. Because what the Jazz are doing is they're giving themselves easy buckets. Mm-hmm. For the first time in a long time, we're actually seeing a little bit of transition buckets on the jazz, which is something we just needed. And I think that might be it. I think we're just getting a few extra buckets here and there in transition. And for a team like us that honestly grinds teams down, a few extra buckets can be the difference. And so I think a lot of it is that. I think we're playing. Well, we've. I don't think our turnovers have been very good. I think we've actually turned the ball over a surprising amount, which in, in all honesty, it's a giant question mark <laughs> as to why we're 15th in the league. It's like, and maybe it's I just because we're just – Well, I kind of think that we're dominating teams so so much defensively that we're ruining their offensive ratings. I don't know because we went in and just – so if you look at the, the percentages of like Jimmy Butler after he played us and Andrew Wiggins, it's like they shot like 30% and Carmelo Anthony got like 20-something points on 20-something shots, and the same goes for Paul George. Our defense has been spectacular, and I don't know. It might just be our defense is creating opportunities.
0: And I would have to say so. Like when you said that, um, I went to look it up, and actually the Jazz are tied for fourth in points off turnovers with 24. There you go. Like 24 points off of turnovers. The only teams that are higher are – so they're tied with the Washington Wizards. Toronto Raptors, LA Clippers, OKC Thunder.
1: And honestly, it's kind of a best-case scenario right now for Utah. I think the other reason might be Joe 60% from three Ingles. Hit just last game was insanely good. I honestly, like, I asked a question on Twitter. I was like, does he have a chance to be an all-star? Can, is if, if Joe Ingles can get 12 shots up a game and shoot 45% from three and get four assists, I mean... There's a chance. I don't know. But he's he's just so efficient that he's helping our defense be, or our offense become good enough. That's all we that's honestly and I think we talked about this. Like we just needed our offense to be good enough. And if we're 15th in the league in offense, I'm ecstatic, honestly. <laughs> and it's no surprise we're 2 and 1 should be 3 and 0.
0: Oh. Right. And and uh and that's what we talked about before the season. We're like, "Hey, if this is a team that has the one of the best defenses in the league, but is like ranking 25th in offense. This is, this is a team that could miss the playoffs, but despite having one of the best defenses in the league, but mm-hmm. if they're in the teens, like say the jazz, like I don't think the jazz will touch a top 10 offense. um, Barring a, a, a trade that brings in a big time offensive player, which I doubt
1: exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so barring that, but if they stay in the if they stay anywhere between 11th to 15th best offense in the league and have top three top three defense, that's that's really scary. And what's also scary too is this is a team last year that wasn't creating a ton of turnovers. They were a team that was going to grind it down, slow it down, and 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 just try to throw you off your off your rhythm and get the and and get the rebound and then grind it on the other side. So. Um, but now this year, they're with when you have Thabo, when you have Ricky, when you have Joe Ingles, when you have um, now Alec Burks is turning into a plus defensive player, you have, you have Rudy Gobert, a healthy Derek Favors, and, and Donovan Mitchell now. All of a sudden, you have th- this length on, on the perimeter and inside that is able to really create these turnovers. Then you add Epe Udo, who is able to spell Gobert – when Gobert's out of the game, and all of a sudden, like when you watch Epe Udo, uh, Udo on on the defensive end, what's crazy about that is, and it, you're like, part of me and 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 I've seen the comments in our comment section in SOC Dunk. People are like, oh, Rudy Gobert just doesn't look the same this year." He does. People aren't testing him as much, but you're seeing the di- you're seeing the difference maker with with Epe Udo because you're like, "Wow." He's really making people look like fools, but at the same time, he's going against backup players who don't remember him from being in the league. Or oh, they yeah. Do, they don't respect him, and he is just making them look silly.
1: And don't forget that Rudy Gobert has gone against arguably three of the best big men in the game. So you've got uh, Karl-Anthony Towns in Game 1. Game 2 – or no, Game 1 was uh, – jokic game two was carl anthony towns and game three was steven adams who is an absolute beast to guard and rudy's held his own against all of them uh i just i think part of it is just rudy's going getting tough matchups and you know we're two and one there's no reason i don't know but yeah Epe yudo has been honestly he's been a revelation and the fact that he can come in for 15 minutes and just like play as hard as he possibly can because he just needs to do what he's doing in those 15 minutes it's going to be um, and we can look at some of the lineups because it looks like my good like Epe Udo is going to have just an epic plus minus year epic Epe Udo guys but uh, I just it's, he comes in and he gets like two or three blocks in like a 15-minute span. He passes the ball well. He doesn't make bad decisions. He can hedge on – I mean his his comments at the beginning of the year were kind of tongue-in-cheek and kind of funny when he said I'm one of the best defenders – or I think he said I'm the best defender in the world.
0: Yeah, he said I'm the best defender in the world and, and you kind of saw that and you're like, well, I mean <laughs> except the U.S., but I mean technically everywhere else, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you 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 play more in, in more countries than than most most NBA players, so I mean that makes sense. But but yeah, no, he looks like he I wouldn't say he's a better defender than Rudy Gobert,
1: but he's been he's been very similar to like Draymond Green in that he can go out on the perimeter, he guards them, he's quick enough to get back, and he can block shots. Yeah, for 15 minutes, we get we get Draymond Green light. And yeah, that's
0: insane. It is it, it, his defense and uh and what and his he's a plus minus all-star. So w- what we're kind of seeing now is is a bit of a money ball approach. Um and we talked about before the season where the Jazz lost out on Gordon Hayward and they went the kind of money ball route where if you've seen Moneyball and Billy Bean and, and, and they're like, well, how are we going to replace Mark McGuire? He's like, you're not going to replace Mark McGuire. We, he's like, let's just, he's like, we can't replace these players. We can't. He's like, but we can do it through the aggregate. And so they're looking at what's the end result that we want out of these players. What are these, you know, what does a higher batting percentage and all this get? And so, and at the end of the day, the, you want to score more points than the other. So what the Jazz looked for were these plus-minus All-Stars. And so you had these plus-minus All-Stars of Epe Udo uh, and Dabo Cephalosha. We haven't seen a lot of Jonas Drebko. And honestly, the way the Jazz are kind of differentiating and being a defensive team, I don't expect a lot of Jonas unless there's a there's I mean, an injury. I mean, you, it, maybe so, but as of right now, if you got Joe Johnson clicking on offense and um, it, you just – you don't need Jonas out there unless you're resting he's, resting Joe he's just Johnson a ni- on a back. He's a nice luxury. Yeah, he's just he's, a nice luxury. Yeah, he's a nice luxury to have. Now and then add in um and so the Jazz have started two and one and and they've done this with really poor play from the wing offensively. You have Donovan Mitchell who honestly offensively has looks like a train wreck. And, that's, and 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 it's kind of hard to fault him for that because his first game, 30 seconds before the game was even supposed to start, he was inserted into the starting lineup because Rodney Hood left the game because of gastric distress and anxiety. Then in the next game, he didn't get the start but had to play out of position as a point guard because Haloneto still wasn't back from injury. And then you had his third game where he – was inserted into the starting lineup again to guard Paul Freaking George. So yeah, welcome to your NBA. In his and in his first three games, this is as a rookie. This is who he had to check across across from him. He had to check Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, um, Jeff Teague, um, Gary Harris, Gary Harris, Emmanuel Mudiay, Jamal Murray, like welcome to the freaking league man and and and, and we've, we Jamal Crawford as well who feasted so oh my gosh yeah and, and so like that Donovan Mitchell I, he's gonna be good like I, I I have no doubt like it's not like I'm jump jumping off the train being like he's, he, man, we, we we got the worst rookie you could possibly find no the kid is the truth the fact of the matter is though he had his a rough welcome to the league by playing three basically playoff teams in succession in four nights out of position.
1: Oh, and and, he spent all the training camp training with Dante Exum who got injured right before the season started. right.
0: right, And so, uh, so basically they kind of threw off that groove and as if, and he looked atrocious on offense yet the deep, he was in two of the top, he's in, He's in two of the top 25 lineups in the NBA to start out the season in, in net rating.
1: It's because Beyond he's playing that, insane he defense. Plays, His defense has been spectacular. Defense. He stopped the Russell Westbrook transition play. It literally made my jaw drop because I've never seen that. And from a rookie to do that, he bodied up Jimmy Butler. He guarded uh, Paul George. And did a really good job. He did not need any double-team help. This is why the Jazz, there's a lot of reason for us to be optimistic, actually, with the Jazz. Like, right now we're 2-1, and and there's reasons to believe the Jazz will get better, actually. So, for example, Rodney Hood went down with uh, a calf injury of some sort. Luckily, it wasn't an ACL, which was something we were kind of worried about. So, Rodney Hood will get back. We'll get his shooting at some point. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell is going to actually start hitting shots. He was like one for seven last game. Uh, one side note, Donovan Mitchell six assists against the Oklahoma City Thunder last game. Another reason he's positive last game. He's he's just doing the right thing. I think one thing Donovan needs to do is just, just calm down a little bit. I think he gets in there and he just his first uh, instinct is to just go right at the basket and just go 100 miles an hour and hopefully he figures it out and I think he's learning a little bit to pass the ball. When when Donovan's pass first, it's been spectacular. It's been really good. He gets he's gotten some really nice assists. And so he'll he'll figure it out. And that's one reason the Jazz will get better. I think I think Joe Ingles is come going to come down to earth. I know he's the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA, but he will come down to earth a little bit in his shooting. But yeah. I I think Joe Ingles counteracting that'll be Donovan.
0: Joe Ingles oh my to God. Gosh. Like he is like last night against OKC, he looked absolutely spectacular. And uh and and right now he leads so he's tied he, he's tied for um a leading score for the Utah Jazz. He leads the team in win shares. In TPA, he's one of the best in the league. Um um I can't even remember what what does TPA stand for? I'm trying to remember. Uh total points added or to- something yeah, like total that. Yeah, total points added from defense and offense and he's one of top 5 in the league. That's insane. And 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 so and despite all that, despite the offense going in, so the Jazz leave uh exit this first week from hell. Uh 2 and 1. Next week, this week they have the Clippers. Uh, except, who are now down Teodosic? Yeah, who are now down Teodosic? Uh, God rest his soul. I was, I'm, I'm so mad guess. about that. I love Milos. That sucks. I really love Milos. Suck. I was so excited to watch him play. <laughs> I was so, uh, oh. okay. Anyway, like I wanted him to have a great game, but not so good a game that we lost. But anyway, so beyond that, uh, the Clippers. Uh, so we got Clippers on Tuesday, back to back. Go to Phoenix. So hey let's chalk up a win there. <laughs> if We lose that game. My if we God, lose that. Yeah. I will be so mad. Yeah, seriously. Like pack it up. Let's just call it. Um. Uh, so then, then the Jazz have two nights off before they play the Lakers at home. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see Donovan Mitchell just like eat Lonzo Ball's lunch. But and then after that, the week following their next game is against Dallas. So the next the next few games, like the Jazz. Have a much easier strength of schedule rather than this like gauntlet that they started out with. So uh, that's that's to look forward to um, as the Utah Jazz, uh, you know, pick this up and that's going to allow Donovan Mitchell to get in the groove. It's going to allow the the Jazz's offense to breathe and for them to start to get comfortable with these sets. Like you got to remember too, the Jazz like here the, the Jazz have one, two, three, four. And five, five, five new players added into their uh, added to their team, and Ricky Rubio taking a, t- a, up a lot of minutes. You know, big, big players like a lot of minutes that they lost that are being taken up by by new players. Such as like here are the minutes that are being so the Jazz have. Let's see, fifteen, thirty, so thirty-eight, and then you have uh, then you have sixty-two, and then add that with um, so Jazz almost have a hundred minutes like 95 95 minutes they have 95 minutes that have been replaced by completely new players that's gonna make mm-hmm. your offense look terrible uh, it should make your defense look terrible but yet the Jazz are just clamped down and when the Jazz started preseason uh, not preseason but training camp De- uh, Quint Snyder was like let's we're gonna start on defense and that's mm-hmm. what they started on to start started out which was a smart call because that's going to keep them alive in a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout the season, they can work on that offense. They'll get more comfortable with each other. It seemed Ricky Rubio is averaging close to five turnovers a game. That's going to go down as he understands his, his, uh, his personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of testing their limits right now to see what they can do and what they can't. That's yeah, gonna he's go had down. A,
1: just a few passes that have just been right at the fingertips. Yeah. And,
0: and, and then Rudy Gobert has three, uh, is averaging 3.3 turnovers a game. I expect that to go down because that seems to be uh, caused by some of these Ricky Rubio passes as he's kind of forcing it to, to uh, Rudy Gobert inside, and a lot of players are too. And then they're swarming and, and Rudy Gobert is bringing the ball down and it's being stripped. so Or it's bouncing off of his hands. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to go down as they get more familiar. But um, that is – a out of all the trends to start the season, that's the worry uh, The – I'd say the, the most worrying trend is that they're 27th in the league in turnovers. Now, albeit they're creating the third most amount of turnovers in percentage um, mm-hmm. for their opponents. So it kind of balances out. But, I mean, for them to have a true advantage there, they need to get back – they need to bring their turnover percentage down in the teens and not play as recklessly. Uh, for that. So, uh, but all in all, like if you were to tell me that the Jazz would leave this week and it with a two and one record, holy cow. Like that's, there was a, there was a very, very, uh, I mean, looking at, the I mean, depth, that's,
1: a, it's just the, those first four games looked rough yeah. and they, they just, I did not expect this. I was honestly really surprised last night. I, I the other,
0: there was a path to and three.
1: Oh, exactly. It could have really started really bad. And instead, we're looking at a team that might win 50 games this year, if they can keep this up. Uh, You mentioned how quickly the Jazz came together on defense. I guess, looking back, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised, because the players that, that Dennis Lindsay brought in, all three of them were just elite defenders who understand defense innately. One of those, besides Ricky Rubio and Epe Udo... Sepalosha has looked really good to me. He hasn't hit a lot of mm-hmm. his threes, but I, I swear if you go look up his at-the-rim uh, scoring, I don't think he's missed a shot yet this year. He is so smooth cutting to the rim, and that's one thing I didn't know about him. But when he goes to the rim, he it's so smooth. It seems like he never misses, and he, he is part of that lineup. So I, in two of our wins, we've been kind of up by like five to ten points in the fourth quarter. And with like five, six minutes left, Quinn has put Cephalosha in, and he's been just fantastic. Like he's honestly been part of that lineup that the Jazz put in that's been like Rudy Gobert, uh, um, Derek Favors, Cephalosha, Ricky Rubio, and then Donovan Mitchell. And they just lock it down and the game's over. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot of games like that. If we're up five to ten points, Quinn can put that lineup in. And it's like Mariano Rivera from the Yankees. It's over. You're just not going to score. And so it's just it, – there's a lot of ways we can see the Jazz just kind of – lots of paths to victory, which is really exciting. One other thing that I did not – one other reason that, that Ricky Rubio, I think, has been so good for us, that guy has a ton of passion uh, to win the game. Like I I, I don't want to pile on Gordon Hayward. I wish Gordon Hayward the best and – and blah, blah, blah. But one thing, having Gordon Hayward left, the Jazz have now been allowed to kind of play to their strengths of ev- of the team kind of as a whole instead of kind of adhering to one guy who's kind of a grumpy pants and we're trying to get him to re-sign in a year. And so what we're doing is we're like, we're just going to focus on this defense. We're going to run. After we get a turnover, we're going to run the ball and everyone needs to run or you're not going to play. And you need to finish at the rim, and they're doing it, and we're winning a lot of games. Yeah. And Ricky Rubio's fitting in so nicely. I wish oh, he could shoot a little better, but that's hand not in glove, who Ricky Rubio is. Yeah,
0: hand and glove fit. Um, I would say, uh, and hand and glove fit meaning like, hey, we're 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 used to a, uh, a point guard not taking a three pointer and rather passing it. It's we we, we we saw that for twenty years. Now that other point guard, John Stockton, could hit threes better, but sure. Uh, but with Ricky. I love his passion. Uh, that Minnesota game, you could see like he got under Butler's skin, man. Whoa, he, uh,
1: enough so, that he didn't want him in the locker room yeah, after so, the so, game so
0: much that after the game, Butler's like, I don't want to see him. Told the told the like the the security at <laughs> Target Center be like, no, I don't <laughs> want to see him in the locker room. And uh, well, and, <laughs> what kind and, of loser is that? And, and 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 I mean, it was probably because Ricky told him to shut the f up, but. <laughs> But he started it. Yeah, but he started it. But I love it. I love it. Like, I love that we have a player who just like, uh, I mean, him and Rudy Gobert and Thabo and Donovan and Derek Favors. Derek Favors actually has looked really good on oh, defense. I was, I was
1: like, going to say the same thing. I, I mean, Carmelo
0: Anthony got hot there at the end, but man, he was not getting his points at the rim. And no. uh, OKC did not get many points at the rim. Neither did uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, like the Jazz, have turned all these teams into jump shooting teams. And uh, I, I and 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 for that point, uh, Rudy Gobert. The, for the people being like Rudy Gobert wasn't really a factor in these games. Rudy Gobert also is uh, in two of these first three games. He's had to guard uh, centers that are really trying to stretch the floor. So he's having to chase Carl Anthony Towns at the perimeter, yoke each, And so he's not able to really play to his strengths. And then once they got to the OKC game, all of a sudden, OKC game, he was able to just clamp down in the center. And so Utah might be OKC's kryptonite this year just because they're built to handle them. Like they can't, they can't pull Rudy Gobert out without bringing in a much smaller player at center like a Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, well, hey, guess what? We're going to have a lot of fun on the offensive end just throwing lobs to, to Rudy Gobert. So, uh, And Utah's just built to handle uh, Russell Westbrook with Ricky Rubio. You're able to handle uh, Paul George with Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles. You're able to handle Carmelo Anthony with Derek Favors and Thabo Cephalosha. Like, and then whoever's guarding Roberson, you just don't guard him and just bring him to help. So they're able to really guard them. Like looking at OKC's lineup offensively, um, if you if you have a if you have a a couple good perimeter defenders and a a rim protector, you're going to be okay with them because you can use whoever's guarding Roberson as a help. Mm -hmm. And like right now, like that closing offense that for that OKC had against Minnesota tonight, in which they lost. Um, to Minnesota, off another Andrew Wiggins half court heave. Um, Good grief! Yeah. So, but that closing lineup, the OKC had they had, they brought in Raymond Felton for extra offense because they couldn't have Andre Roberson on the court. That's going to be an issue. Like OKC has no depth. Minnesota at least has some depth that they can bring on bring up from from the from the bench with you know Shabazz Muhammad and Jang and and Tyus Jones like. OKC okay, traded away all their depth for these stars and that, and that's going to be really really tough for them to be able to make that up. So
1: just a just a few notes on Derek favors and it's a kind of actually it's pretty exciting it. We might be seeing signs that Rudy is actually opening things up for Derek Favors a little bit. He's averaging 14.3 right now, up from 11 on his career average. He's averaging 2.7 assists per game, up from one, which is career averages. He's getting assists. He's getting the ball to Rudy, who is finishing. He's getting the ball to perimeter shooters. He's shooting 54%, 54% from the field, which includes his jump shot game, that he's got that kind of that elbow jump shot that he takes and that top of the key. Uh, And he's shooting 83% from the free throw line. So There's a lot of reasons to be really excited about what Derek Favors is doing. Is he Kevin Love? No. He's not Kevin Love. Is he Ryan Anderson? No. He's not Ryan Anderson. But he's doing a lot of things that are helping us win the game. And I think the major thing that you hit the nail on the head is Derek Favors' defense on Carmelo Anthony was a major part of us winning that game. Because he just bodied him up. And OKC was just... They just had to take, you know... Carmelo fadeaway jumpers, and that was their offense for the majority of that game, and a big reason why we won. And that's so if Derek Favors can just stay healthy, knock on wood, uh, we're going to be in really good shape. I know our starting lineup uh, is not looking so great in terms of plus minus. Uh, that, one that's of the-
0: a worrying thing. That's a worrying thing for me with the starting lineup. Like uh, I, I think, um, and maybe that's because we played some really tough teams. But that starting lineup it's 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 a, a glaring negative uh, to start off those games, whether it's just not getting going, whether um, and Rodney Hood, he had that he had that Stretch where he got hot against um, against Minnesota, and then he ended up leaving the game for left calf strain. That's the worrying mm-hmm. thing with Rodney Hood. We're already kind of starting it with Rodney, where he's in and out of the lineup, whether it's for gastric distress you know, uh, that's caused by his um, anxiety, or whether you have these little ticky tack injuries that are pulling him in and out. And we've already started it. We've already started. It. We're on game three, and even before then, game one, he was really a non, kind of a non-factor. Game two, he got hot, and uh, the Jazz really and and he ended up being the Jazz's leading scorer for that stretch where he hit like three threes in a row and just got hot. And then he kind of you know hurt his calf on you know stepping on somebody's leg over a screen. And that's
1: I. That's just a play you do a hundred million times. Yeah, and, and so
0: it's so that's worrying. That's worrying with Rodney. And what's uh, with Rodney? He really is the definition of a streak shooter. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, contrary to what Bowler thinks, is a streak shooter. Like he's like, you know, Paul George is a streak shooter. No, he's not. He's just a good shooter. That's, yeah. that's just that's not streak. That's just a, a, a career good shooter. So, uh, but but Rodney Hood is Rodney Hood is a streak shooter. And in that starting lineup, like, if I. And part of that too is like they they must have pulled Joe Ingles aside after Minnesota and were just like if you got a shot you take it. I don't you you drive the paint once we're 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 pulling you.
1: Oh yeah, I like, mean a Joe Ingles shot is a better shot than any other shot on the floor, and yeah. so he just he's got to let it fly. Hmm.
0: Yeah, like I'm, I am. Count me in. For Joe Ingles, I am here for the Joe Ingles show. Like I am completely like I am here. I have bought my ticket. I am here for the Joe Ingles leading score of the Utah Jazz because mm. I am all for it. I'm also all for Joe Ingles versus Steven Adams fights. I am all for Aussie versus Kiwi fights. Like this is oh. this is like my favorite thing like
1: getting under Paul George's skin. Yeah, give him frank. give him
0: the WWE. First of all, because Joe Ingles I think would do uh would would hit great promos. I think oh, he would do great. Absolutely. Absolute great promos. Like he he would be king of promos if it came to a WWE matchup between him and Steven Adams. Now Steven Adams would lay him out flat, but the fact of the matter is Joe Ingles would put, have some fantastic promos.
1: Oh, I promise you that Joe Ingalls wins that with a suspension win somehow. Someone <laughs> comes in with a chair, like uh Rudy Gobert comes out of nowhere. Bah God and and uh and then Joe Ingalls wins that fight every time. But oh, and the Joe Ingalls trash talk running down the floor, hitting the three, and then just screaming at his defender, who I don't even know who that was, <laughs> was just magical. He is Yeah, he's he
0: he's everything. I i he's love a treasure him so- like Joe Ingalls actually like the more i think about it he like it is the essence of jerry Sloan as a player where he's he's not he's not really like athletically gifted uh but he's like he he just has so much give a damn in him that he just tries so hard and gets better
1: and well and he's long and he's tall and he's he, big and he's, he's strong he shouldn't
0: be able to keep up with paul george and carmelo anthony and and jimmy butler and Andrew Wiggins, he should not be able to keep up with them. But yet, like he,
1: he does, tur- he does, he does. He bullies them. He bullies mm-hmm. them, and I think he gets under their skin. He's smart. He still manages to get two steals a game. He mm-hmm. still understands. Like he, this guy understands basketball. He understands passing lanes. I think he just knows. Just he just knows the. He really is like just a Jerry Sloan smart player. That I hope is part of the jazz long after he retires, whether it's a broadcaster, whether it's a player's coach of some sort. He's oh, just yeah, a,
0: he's 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 such he's a special. Good, he's he's such a good player, and 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 even more than that, you know that he's been taking care of Dante Exum throughout this whole process as Dante Exum is, you know, getting a second opinion, and and Dante Exum amid all of this is having to get his shoulder surgery and stay with the team and not be able to be with Australia. Being in Australia, as he gets this done, he's still going to be with the team and close to the team as the season's underway because that's what you're paid to do. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and and Joe Ingles has been a great mentor for that. Like, this team has just a good feel. This team is a really likable feel. I uh, There was a commenter, there's been many, a, a few commenters on a few of our sister sites who have said, this team looks like the Detroit Pistons um that Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace and and Tayshawn Prince kind of uh Detroit Pistons. And and while there's not like exact matchups like Ricky Rubio isn't you know a sharp shooter from outside like Chauncey was. Um and you, and you don't ha- and Rudy Gobert and Epe uh Udo are much better offensive players than Ben Wallace ever yeah. was. And uh and then you have Tayshaun Prince who's there it's not really like honestly, the, the the probably the Cephalosha, possibly, but not as good of an offensive player. Mm-hmm. But but the things that make you think about that Detroit Pistons team is this. This is the natural reaction. Like that year where the Detroit Pistons won the won the NBA Finals. You had. A super team, like a super team where it's just like it's over. It's over before the season even got started. They have Shaquille O'Neal, they have Kobe Bryant, they have Carl Malone and Gary Payton. It's over. Shut it down. It's theirs. Call it. And the natural reaction is defense. The natural reaction is there are gonna be these players and it's happening right now as these teams are going have in the Western Conference have amounted their big threes and they're all offensive minded. There's not a I mean I would say the Golden State Warriors look bored. They're already one and two and already Steph is getting thrown out of games and whatnot. And they <laughs> – they, like – and I think if it's the playoffs, I would still pick them. But at the same time, it's just like 82 games. What? If they're already like I don't give give a crap and we're game three, this is – like that type of attitude supposed to happen game 50, game 60 and you, and you're giving them rest and they just look bored. We're game three. And you just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies and you're getting thrown out like it's Bush League. Now, And you look at a team like the Utah Jazz and also the LA Clippers are kind of doing this too where it's just like there's there, there are teams now in this eight seconds or less basketball era who are not doing – who are going to do the practices of eight seconds or less. We're going to shoot a lot of threes on offense. We're going to be opportunistic with turnovers. We're going to rim protect. But, but they're even going heavier on the defensive end where it's just like, okay, you want to bring out four guys who can shoot? We're going to bring out four of the best perimeter def- defenders. And guess what? You don't have them on your team because you can't afford them. Mm-hmm. And we can I, afford them because we're not paying for offense.
1: Exactly. Well, and I think one of the other things that we kind of have filled this year that we didn't really have last year is we've kind of filled a leadership void. We had a guy on our team, leading our team last year, that was just not a leader.
0: Well, and, and I think everyone... a lot of the leadership was from George Hill, too. Wouldn't you say,
1: George? Maybe a little bit, but you know, at the same time, we have Rudy calling out the team after a six-game losing streak, saying some of these guys are out here just getting their own. And I, what I'm trying to get at is, we filled the team with guys that will go out and will lead the team personality-wise. We've got Ricky Rubio, high; he's a leadership type player. You've got. Epe Udo that you bring in. That's Epe Udo. I got to say that right. Epe Udo comes in high level, uh, just strong personality. You bring in Tabo Cephalosha, who's a calming presence, who, who's who been around the block and guarded LeBron multiple times. He comes in and he knows what to do to win a game. And then you combine that with Rudy's passion and fire, who already had kind of that leadership it's not surprising that the Jazz are coming out with a demeanor that we haven't really seen in a long time. They look like a veteran team for the first time, even including last year. And and also Joe Johnson. You've got Joe Johnson yeah. who's got that calming presence who comes in and knows, I don't need to freak out. I can just, you know, get into my sets, do what I know I can do and score some buck. And and yeah, I mean I I honestly I was like hoping for 45 wins this year. I think we're a 45 to 50 win team. If we keep up what we're doing right now, the defense, if they keep up
0: what they're doing on the defensive end, this is a 45 to 50 win team because they're going to hit the, the just like salt of the earth Eastern Conference that is just terrible. And, and, and these terrible Eastern Conference teams and also the Phoenix and LA, uh, that they're just going to run into the buzzsaw that is the Utah Jazz's defense. And they're, and Mm -hmm. they're just going to break. They're just going to break because at, at at some point, especially these teams that are that are at the bottom of the Eastern Conference that have no outside shooting, um, that are are young, that are still trying to figure it out, they're going to they're going to break. They're going to break when it comes down to you know to Utah, and so mm-hmm. th- that's uh, with those teams alone, the Utah Jazz are going to get out forty-five to fifty wins especially when the Utah Jazz play these tougher Western conference teams at home. I feel like this team is easier to root for. I feel like they feed off the crowd a lot more. Uh, The prior team. And we talked about this too. When the crowd got into it, it never felt like the team matched the intensity of the crowd. And there was that, that uh, um, like Ricky Rubio, who, you know, he's, you know, gets a steal and then he takes a charge like that kind of intensity. Is just oh that
1: guy's a warrior. I I I mean we're learning a lot about Ricky Rubio that we didn't know. That guy will take a elbow to the chest from Jimmy Butler. He will stand up to Jimmy Butler when I mean that was impressive. Jimmy Butler is a scary dude. He's
0: like, a big guy. I, He's
1: a big guy. You're like if that guy that guy is not someone you want to be, you know, having fisticuffs with. <laughs> that's yeah, a guy that's
0: exactly. Good. And <laughs> that's and and meanwhile, like well. ri- like this Ricky. Like, I think Ricky has a chip on his shoulder because he didn't believe uh, because of what Minnesota thought he wasn't. And by the way, this is hilarious. I love how people are like um, defending (laughs) Jeff Teague the other night because they're like, we got ourselves a winner. Hey, bros, uh, Timberwolves, uh, you know, you're two and one. We're two and one, too. We're both kind of winning. And uh, Ricky Rubio actually has better stats than Jeff Teague, so.
1: And the Jazz have a better net rating, by the way.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, thank goodness we basically gave you guys a game, so or you guys would be one and two. You guys would be one they... and two, and that's not winning. You don't have a winning culture, so, uh, so you look at the you look at the Utah Jazz with Ricky and. Ricky just fits the cult like, and I would say the last few years Utah Jazz were a defensive team, and that was their culture. But the face of our franchise and the person leading the charge wasn't wasn't that culture. Like he's an offensive player, a b- above average defender, but he wasn't like he wasn't like this guy cares about defense and he wants to. Be, you're going to see Gordon Hayward on a on an all defense team, like you just not, but. Now, with the face of the franchise is Rudy Gobert, and then you've brought in players that match that that identity. And the Jazz know who they are. They're not a team that's going like kind of last year with George Hill, Rodney Hood, and Gordon Hayward. Sometimes the Jazz felt like an offensive team that also did defense, like mm-hmm. it, it, like. The, like the everyone knew them as a defensive team, but it was kind of like the Utah Jazz were dabbling. Like, well, kind of, we kind of like this offense thing too. I kind of want to be that guy.
1: We're like an offensive team with Rudy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now Ooh. this is just like we it. It is forty eight minutes of pain. Like this is just we are like cool. You got your uh, you got your offensive Lamborghini. We are going to we're gonna take it out mudden. Like it,
1: yeah, it, we are that <laughs> obstacle course. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and so, and 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 that's the thing. Like every time a team plays us, they're gonna look at us like like uh, basically ninja warrior. It doesn't matter what the score is at the end of the night if we can get out of Utah with a win. Like, thank goodness. Like, you don't. There's no style points for getting out of Utah with a win, and that's how people are gonna look at us. And so,
1: oh, it's it's really like. Je- the jazz are crossfit it's like the difference between having to go and walk on the treadmill or you have to go and you've got that military guy that's putting you through crossfit and it's just like i don't want to do crossfit today at 5 a.m that just does not sound like my favorite thing. The, the last thing i wanted to mention and i think it's a big reason why we're winning a lot of games um our second unit has been spectacular and I think that was one of the differences from this year and last year is last year we were relying on a relying on a hobbled Derek favors to kind of be our rim protector and kind of that last line of defense and it just didn't really work especially when you consider that next to him was Joe Johnson mm-hmm. who who is okay at on at, when he's guarding uh, a a power forward backing him down but he's not a weak side shot blocker and he's not really a weak side rebounder either and so but now we have FK Udo who is doing a lot of the Rudy Gobert type things we have Alec Burks who is like I think we've already mentioned it but he's actually positive offense positive defense as well which is one of the biggest surprises to me all year I was before we started the podcast my favorite play from that that game against Oklahoma City Alec Burks rolled off a pick. There wasn't really anything developing. You could see he thought about pulling up one of those long two-point jumpers. Instead, he he surveys the court, passes it to Favors, and Ferry, Favors buried a 15-foot jumper. Right. And that was incredible because what that... Nor- last year, what that is, is Burks puts up a shot that clanks off the rim creates transition for the other team, and they go and probably score because we have Joe Johnson and Derek Favors hobbling back down the floor. And yeah. so this this year we have Alec Burks making smart decisions. There's like a maturity level, and I don't know if that's just because he's healthy or maybe it's because he's got other defensive players on the floor that he can look up to that are saying, hey, it's okay to not score twenty bu- 20 points a game, you know, the more you play smart, the more points you'll get. I I I'm so impressed with Alec Burks' maturity. It's it's he's, been really nice. He's had and he two has really nice. Perfect.
0: Yeah, he's had two really nice games. He kind of had. A, he looks like Alec Burks of last year. During, Against, at Minnesota, uh, I think it was Minnesota. Yeah, he yeah. Looked,
1: he put up a stinker.
0: <laughs> but, but I mean, but, but two out of three with Alec Burks is like, and Alec Burks is is shooting. Uh, it was something insane. Like he's – like Alec Burks is shooting from three right now. Uh, Let me pull it up here because this is just – it cracks me up. Okay, so Alec Burks is 75 percent from three this year. Um, Joe Ingles, 63 percent. Rodney Hood is 50 percent. Then everyone else has not cracked 30 percent. So you got Ricky Rubio uh, a quarter of the time. He'll make a three. You have Thabo Cephalosha, which is uh, shooting a respectable 14.3 percent you have Donovan Mitchell that is 0 for 7 and then you have Joe Johnson the legend the man who walks on water with only 22% from 3
1: so that's actually kind of promising because you those other guys are obviously going to come down mm-hmm. but joe johnson's not going to shoot that percentage all year well joe and is donovan mitchell
0: shoot mitchell's... 63% all year like that's sustainable
1: <laughs> but that's donovan sustained. mitchell's not going to Donovan Mitchell will hit a three at some point this year. That's my bet. Yeah. And Just Ricky, guessing.
0: Ricky Rubio, like, honestly, I think he's going to probably shoot 25 to 30%. If he shoots over 30% for the year, like...
1: That's incredible.
0: That's incredible. Like, give him the most improved... Like, if, if he shoots 30%, if like, Ricky Rubio, most improved player of the year. He won't get it, but... Uh, and nor nor am i fully serious about that but that's like some serious improvement on his side the per- the um watching um epe uh udo this year so epe udo i gotta remember how to say that epe udo the fantastic thing is utah jazz have elite rim protection and i joked around with what the s l c dunk account to you last night but if the utah jazz could uh basically guarantee his second season this year and basically accept the second year of his contract right now, they would like that.
1: Oh my gosh. Does that is, contract he, become valuable or what? Holy it is smoke. such a
0: steal. It is such a steal. like elite rim protection. He's going to be in a Utah jazz uniform for two years and then get paid some serious dough. Or maybe he'll stick around. He'll be 32. Uh, like he's 30 right now. He'll be almost 32 by the time the contract is over. Uh, but man, oh man! Like I, I can't believe that. Like the way he's playing on defense. Like that's a guy. Like I, I watch, I watch Udoh, and I'm like, man, know who really could use that rim protection? The Oklahoma City Thunder.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, like it, like the Jazz are going to get phone calls. That's for sure. Oh like, yeah, they are going. Uh, and I don't think you trade him because he's. I mean, he's he's winning us games, honestly. Oh he's, yeah. he's the saving he's the us key. so many like,
0: points. Like his defense, like all the perimeter players around the Utah Jazz have been amazing. But Udo's having the same effect on defense that Gobert does, where he just take he lifts the entire team up because he's shutting down so much of the paint, and because of that, the Utah Jazz for 48 minutes are able to be a gambling team, are able to and and not lose and not lose buckets at the rim because it, because they went for it because. Udo is going to be there waiting for people and so that's that's it I mean Udo has what was his defensive pl- uh, box score plus or minus eight point6 6. 8.6 when he's on the court it's just just freaking insane
1: oh just- and it's allowing Rudy to pl- Rudy's playing 33 minutes a game this year if Rudy's allowed to play 32 minutes a game that's amazing because then we get full full strength Rudy all season.
0: Yeah, uh, last year last year Rudy Gobert was averaging per game. He was averaging 34 minutes per game. 34 minutes per game. If you can take him down to 31 to 32 minutes per game, especially once we get to these more terrible teams and oh, uh, play if, like if we buzzsaw through the Lakers, the Suns, uh, the Mavericks, all of a sudden you're like, hey, but we can we can rest, oh, yeah. we can rest Rudy and he's only played 25 minutes. Like Rudy Gobert's numbers this year aren't going to look in, as impressive, and people are going to be like, "Well, it's just not." As good. But if if you're getting more wins out of it, are you really that sad? Like the Jazz's defense. Part of the reason Rudy Gobert had to play so many minutes is Jazz would have be playing great. They bring in the bring in the bench, and the bench of Shelvin Mack, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, oh. Trey Lyles, and Jeff Withey. Like, okay, so this is last year's bench. So first off the bench, you got Shelvin Mack. Then you had Alec Burks, Joe Johnson, and uh, then you had um, – then Rodney Hood was in that mix and Boris Dia. And they got lit up. And then this year, all of a sudden off your bench, you have Howell Neto. Should have been Dante Exum, but hey, it is what it is. You have Alec Burks, Donovan Mitchell – and at the power forward position you have either Joe Johnson or or Tabo. And then you have Exactly Epe Udo. Depending on your personnel, depending on what's going on in the game, you can throw Well it in and a lot
1: of those times you're sliding Donovan over to play backup one. Yeah. And he's just guarding ones. I I'm so impressed. I've never seen a rookie guard this well. He is fitting right in.
0: Yeah, he's fitting it's,
1: it's he's, exciting.
0: It, it's really exciting to see what he's what he's doing. I think what makes the Utah Jazz so special this year is they have multiple guys who, in their own, could be sixth men of the year candidates, like Thabo, and Joe Johnson, or Epe, or Alec Burks, and mm-hmm. and instead, like you have you have four or five of them, so all of a sudden you have this incredibly deep lineup where, if if they were a starting lineup on a team. You'd be like, okay, this is this is a lottery team, but they're 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 a tough lottery team to play. But now, as they as a bench unit, they come on, and that's a bench unit that's just going to house people mm-hmm. once once they come in. So,
1: well, and I I guess just final thought for me, uh, one thing that's going to be interesting with the Rodney Hood injury is there was a small part of me that wondered, like, well, you know, Rodney Hood was kind of that one week link on defense where the teams go right at him and I was like interested to see how well we did against Oklahoma City when we had literally no weak links on the floor defensively. You could argue Joe Johnson, but that's backup power forward minutes. And the Jazz just looked dominant. And so I think what I hope the Jazz do this year and they learn from last year is that we don't decide minutes based on making a player happy. We just need to decide minutes on what helps us win the game and playing in a way that gets us victories and i i think we didn't do that at 100% of the time last year trying to make gordon happy and i hope this year we just you know we play the guys that help us win and and i i mean that's why i'm excited i think we i think we really do have a chance 45 to 50 wins barring injuries honestly yeah so
0: 45 to 50 wins and then we're going to be that team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs because somebody could get hurt or they're gonna get really tired yeah. and by the time and in the Western Conference, like we could be that team that honestly the way I see the Utah Jazz season playing out right now, we're gonna be that team that's about six or seven in the playoffs. We take we take, you know, the the Spurs, the Rockets or or the or the Warriors to to seven games, make life miserable and nobody and and, and nobody likes us for it. Mm-hmm
1: and i'd be ecstatic about that
0: yeah it's uh, man this it is it's just a fun team this is just a really fun team <laughs> it's
1: really well guys i hope that you go to uh itunes or i think it's called apple podcasts now search for slc punks uh give us a rating or review we really appreciate it uh comment below in the comments let us know what you think agree disagree let us know what you think uh Remember to like us on Facebook. Just search SLC Dunk. Remember to like us on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere out there. You will be able to find us and uh, and follow everything we are putting out. We're putting out some really fun stuff. So uh, I'm James Hansen.
0: And this is Milo.
1: And we'll talk to you guys later. Peace out.